All right, welcome to the Six Foot Three Golfer podcast presented this week once again by Ping Golf. And for anybody who uh, now knows that you can get into retail and you can get into pro shops to see this great stuff, all the G425 uh, drivers, hybrids, uh, irons and fairway woods, um, you can get in and look at them. You can touch them. You can probably take them out to the range. You can probably demo them in the nets at Golf Town. I don't know about that just yet. But at least you can get your hands on them and look at them. And if you can't get to the retail stores, the pro shops, make sure you go to ca.ping.com and you can check it all out there. As always, I am your host, Jeff Botter, publisher of Flagstick Golf Magazine. But changing things up a little bit this week, I don't have a guest. I have a co-host, my good friend, associate publisher of Flagstick Golf Magazine, Scott McLeod, is with me to do this week's show. Hi, Scott. How you doing, man? I'm doing awesome. The bigger question is, how are you? I'm a little tired, but uh, it was good to see you yesterday. That was kind yes. of a weird thing to be able to uh, catch up in person. And uh, uh, it's been many months. It has been. Eh? Like it's a, it literally you don't even really think about it as yet, you know, because we've we've done a lot of Zoom calling and you've been on the on the podcast a bunch of times. So it's like I've seen you. I know what you still look like. But uh, <laughs> I mean, I haven't been. We were talking about that uh, yesterday when we, we managed to pop into the parking lot at Tim Hortons and socially distant, uh, enjoyed a coffee together, which we also haven't done in forever mm. um and and just talk about the fact that you know we've not neither well that was their first trip anywhere really of any significance since last fall yeah it's been uh, about nine months i guess since i've really left the greater kingston area I, I was at a golf outing for a golf journalist association uh down in the niagara region but yeah it was just kind of different but it felt it felt almost normal but a weird normal um so so in a good way it was fun it was enjoyable and again you know obviously we're moving closer and closer to that and uh that's going to be reflected as well in the the golf community in the 613 yeah for sure now um i guess we'll talk a little bit about why why you were up here but i wanted to i wanted to get into I said in last week's podcast that um, this was an exciting time of year for us in 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 our business as golf media, golf journalists, because this is the that the time of the year when the golf tournaments start happening, and for us that means you know hopefully May, more mayhem, this year. Mayhem, yeah, is what it means. Things get a little bit nuts and crazy for yeah. for the next three or four months, but you know we get to visit the golf courses, we get to see some people playing golf, we get to check out what's going on around the region and um, and things kind of finally kicked off for us this this past weekend uh, at Loyalist Golf uh, uh, Country Club uh, down in Bath where they an event that was postponed was rescheduled thank goodness because it's an awesome event uh, but it finally finally happened this weekend and, uh, and and it had a great weekend for it too. Yeah, they did. And uh, you're right. I mean, getting back to having live events, uh, you know, it, it's not that we don't enjoy in the in the wintertime, obviously doing lots of updates on flagstick.com. We've always got lots of uh, lots of things going on. But, you know, you're writing equipment stories, a little bit of travel stuff, lots of other news things that are away from the area, certain tidbits that are in the area. But it's those live events, that interaction, that activity that's happening at the golf courses that really fuels what we do and what we've done for the last 25 years 
five years. Uh, so to have that Loyalist Junior Showcase back, uh, to see young players come in from around the province and some of the most talented players as well, uh, and to be able to kick off that event. And, you know, this event is important. And, and I know you've had Jeff James on the podcast. And uh, this event is important because this is really a grassroots effort. There's lots of other tournaments that are high level uh, for junior golfers, but this one mixes the two. It has a lot of top level players there, but it's also a tournament that introduces a lot of young golfers to the to tournament golf as it is. Yeah. And, they, and one of the things about this tournament is I know my youngest son, Brandon, played in it a number of years ago. He hasn't played in it since, but uh, his first, it was his first golf tournament ever. Yeah. Uh, he played in, uh, I believe he played in the, in the Bantam or no, the Peewee division back then. And they have walking scores with that group. And um, I won't say that they didn't play by the rules, but the rules for them were a little bit more relaxed in that it, that weekend it happened to pour rain the day before the tournament and the, and the rough was really thick. So they allowed them to, to kind of move the ball around a little bit in the rough so they could hit it. It was, it was a tournament, there was a winner, yeah. but it really was kind of like, if you, if you introduce them the wrong way at that stage, to your point with it being a grassroots event, then they, it sets a bad taste in their mouth. And if, if they're spending the whole day hacking it out of the rough and shooting a hundred, then they're not really going to be that interested in wanting to come back and do it again. So by giving them that opportunity to kind of still play a competitive round of golf, even, even though it's, you know, a little loose, it's, Mm -hmm. it keeps their interest. It piques their interest. Then you see that difference as they, you know, get into Bantam golf and juvenile and junior golf. And you could see that this weekend, some of the scores that some of these kids were shooting, they're, they're unbelievable on a, on a really tough golf course down there too. Yeah. And I think that uh, that basis where you're talking about the lower age players, giving them that first tournament experience and, and making it feel like it's fun, that it's not a daunting experience that they should be enjoying themselves. And there was a great example this weekend, uh, Carrie Julie, who is a golf pro and a golf course owner. uh, She was down to be at the tournament, her son, Ben, who, you know, we'll talk about him in a minute when we talk about some of the winners, but she was there with her daughter as well. And her daughter was on the driving range, uh, warming up with Ben. This is when the practice rounds were going on and uh, Jeff James came about and started chatting with them and, you know, sort of asked, you know, what event, what division was her daughter playing in or whatever. And she wasn't, she wasn't ready to play the tournament. Uh, so what Jeff did was said, Hey, yeah, you know what you, you are playing in the tournament. You've got a division. Now they didn't make it, you know, obviously it's not an official division or whatever, but he grabbed another little sister and created a division as it was. And the yeah. two young girls were able to get out and play during the tournament round since they're going to be there anyway yeah. and get that tournament experience and uh you know carrie posted a picture of that with her daughter just beaming she was so excited to play in her first tournament round so you know to go in and have the experience be as positive as possible whether you know she plays well or not uh just the fact that they're welcomed and they feel comfortable and that that's great and that really i think that epitomizes what this tournament is about more than just the great scores uh by the top players which you know is is part of it as well well of course and and i think uh you know the the whole idea of it being a showcase you think with some with some sports you think of a showcase as a as a way of showcasing the talent for the scouts and stuff like that that's not what showcase in this case means showcasing this is is showcasing tournament golf to a wide and vast uh variety of of golfers and in the case of of um that young girl mm-hmm. um she's she's going to be hooked you yeah. know she's she's going to want more of it and she's going to want to follow 
you know, follow Big Brother around to other tournaments. And the beauty is that with with uh, tours now, uh, like the Play Junior Golf Tour, you have those events. They don't have to be provincial events. They don't have to be national events. You mm -hmm. have events like that where you can just sign up one day, go play in a tournament atmosphere, and things are adjusted for the different, you know, for as far as yardages and things like that. They're all adjusted for the different levels of players and different age groups, and it makes the whole experience more fun. And then they stick with it. And then those become your competitive, your more competitive junior golfers down the road. Not all of them, but some of them no. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, I think there's a key thing in there. I think for a lot of years, you know, you'd have a lot of different community events. I mean, you go back to the years when we were juniors, for an example, everybody just played the tournaments and it was more about fun more than anything. And you didn't really think, I mean, about, you know, the top players were the top players. Uh, you weren't always going in there thinking about so much of winning. It was just competing. And that's what everybody sort of did. But and you were part of it. And I think that sort of got lost for a little bit. And the fact that people started to think of tournaments as being competitive tournaments, and it's all about your score and everything there. And, you know, I think you're right. What, you know, what Chris has been able to do with the the play junior golf tour is it, it kind of introduced that element again, where people are participating more than anything. And, you know, that that goes back to the tradition of of, uh, the St. Lawrence Junior Golf Tour, the, you know, the PGA of Ottawa Challenge Tour, but, you know, and those routes are really important if we're going to encourage players to uh, be part of the game, stay part of the game and not be discouraged about continuing in the game. Yeah, let me, let me make a good point here. I was 17 when I took up the game. And I never, <laughs> I never really had the opportunity to play much in the way of junior golf. I think right. I don't even think the first tournament I played was a junior golf tournament. So, yeah. so unfortunately, I, I see. The thing is, there's, there's a perfect example. I missed out on all this great stuff that junior golfers have now, and, yeah. and then truly do have a lot of junior golfers have a lot of great stuff available to them. Mm -hmm. I just got an email today from uh, Rob Howes, the general manager at Metcalf, just asking me, he hadn't heard much from my, from my younger son, Brandon in a while. And, and Brandon hasn't really played much yet this year, but he just, I got an email saying, Hey, you know, just want to check and see if Brandon was going to be coming out for the intersectional team. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, cause that's coming up. Uh, but that's important though, that, yeah. that reach, that reach out like that. Yes. It, it means that they're wanted and that's important right now. Cause it wasn't even on the radar. Yeah. And, and now it's something that now all of a sudden, you know, he hasn't who he hasn't played in a while. All of a right. sudden it's like, yeah, you know, I got to get it. I got to get it and get some rounds. And I really do want to do that. So, yeah. you know, that excitement starts to come back. And I mean, yeah, school's starting to wind down for all these kids, too. So those that are really into it, they've been playing for a long, for, probably for a while now since course is open. But uh, for those that haven't really gotten, you know, the bug to, to get out and play yet, you know, school's yeah. ending and they're going to get out and play now. Obviously, we're talking about this and, and scoring is not the most important thing. However, it was yes. a golf tournament. There were some winners of the tournament. So so who who uh, who ended up coming out on top in some of those divisions? Yeah, if we look at the divisions, I mean, there was, uh, as you mentioned, there was some great scoring, especially on the last day. Every single division was decided by an under par score on the final day, which, again, you know, you're talking about Loyalists is a golf course that hosts has hosted many Golf Ontario championships, has hosted the McKenzie Tour, PGA Tour, AJGA tournaments. Uh, so it's no pushover. That's for sure. Uh, Emily Zhu won the uh, junior girls. Uh, she's from Richmond Hill. She's also a member of Team Canada. Uh, I remember following her a couple years ago. She finished second in the Ontario Amateur. Six 67 in the final round and 
Yeah, wow. incredible score. I'm not yeah. surprised by that. And matching that was Ellis Kinnaird from Carlton Place, who also, uh, as I said, matched that score as well to win the junior boys division. So 500 par days on the final day to to capture those divisions. Uh, working our way down, uh, Marshall Bath uh, won the juvenile boys. Uh, he's from Curtis, Ontario. He's at 70 in the final round. Uh, Bodie Steven from, uh, he won the Bantam boys. He's from Kingston. He was 71 in the final round. And down into the Bantam divisions, Carly Malore uh, posted a three under final round to uh, from she's from Lansdowne, Ontario, post the uh, to win the Bantam girls and the previously mentioned Ben Julie uh, won the Pee Wee boys. He was 67 in the final round all the way from great. all the way from Fenwick, Ontario. Now, of course, you know, they're adjusted to suitable lengths and stuff, but uh, seeing players do this and get under par and get comfortable, that just shows you what a myriad of talent that we have uh, in this country. And, you know, a lot of people will look to the LPGA Tour and the PGA Tour and they'll say wow you know where are the next golfers coming from don't worry they're here they're <laughs> yeah. coming there's lots of them out there now, that's one of the things i like too and i think this uh that that a lot of that got started with uh more so with the u.s kids program um and their tournaments where they the age age and level of the kids the t the tees that they played from the yardage they played from even if they had to put tees at the front of the fairways and i know they do yeah. Um, they used to, at least for the loyalist tournament for the peewee division, the, the first, their tees are actually in the front of the fairway. Um, that's so important because, yeah. you know, you don't want some 12 year old or 13 year old kid that hits the ball, maybe 150 yards off the tee playing a par four that's 400 yards. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. It's not good for them. It's, it's, it's bad for their confidence. So I like the fact that they do that. And, and Chris also does that with the play junior golf tour. The tees are all adjusted, sort of following that guideline. I, I call it a guideline from U.S. Kids. So that's the first time that I ever really saw it being adjusted mm -hmm. as much as it was um, for their tournament. So now, next up for for the juniors, obviously the Play Junior Golf Tour. They've got a couple of events coming up uh, in the in the next uh, two uh, next week, I think uh, next two weeks. Um, yeah. What have they got? Yeah, the tour starts kicking off here. We've got a number of things that are happening as far as the juniors are concerned. Uh, you know, obviously you're mentioning the play junior golf tour. I'm going to have to double check because I was looking at a bunch of different ones here as far as the schedule. But I know the uh, the OBGA has their uh, their junior city and districts are, are coming up right away, which obviously seems really sudden considering the, uh, you know, the golf season feels like it just started. And technically it really just did, um, you know, uh, getting those players out and getting them competitive Right away i mean you know it's it's kind of uh it's kind of wild i'll double like i said i'll just double check i i know there were some adjustments in the schedule but uh i believe the first one coming up here will be upper canada that's on the 29th uh yeah. for the play junior golf tour uh and then uh, we'll start to work our way uh into other events uh smith falls and the landings as well in the first couple of weeks of july uh, but as i mentioned the obj does have the junior and city district coming up which uh, i believe is equinel and packenham uh, so we have a number of players that are coming to play that event from a wider area as well, not just up in the Ottawa Valley. Some are coming up from Kingston here. Uh, so again, those are, uh, those are pretty important as far as those events. And it's nice to have the tour kicking off for sure. Yeah. Oh no. It's great to get it going. Now, junior golfers aren't the only ones to play golf, Scott. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, some of us who are, are a lot of times stuck in offices or pro shops or uh, on the teaching tee, uh, yeah. we also have uh, golf tournaments that we can play in. And I say we, but it's not really we. I'm kind of saying we, you, uh, <laughs> because it's you. Now, you, um, you've been preparing a little bit. 
uh, a little, for, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> well, let's let's call it off-season as as preparation. Yeah, off-season yeah, yeah, preparation, yeah. and um, yeah. and the uh, the uh, flagstick.com uh, Ottawa PGA Tour finally yep. kicked off its first event of the year. And you were uh, you were fortunate enough. I talked about it last week uh, on the on the on the podcast. I said, hey, you know, our buddy Scott McLeod stepping it up in the <laughs> senior category, senior division at the uh, at the Spring Open, but. Yeah. How was that? Because that, I mean, it looked like it looked like everybody was happy to be out there. I was there uh, watching all the guys tee off. It was great to see everybody that I hadn't seen. I have not seen a lot of these people, these these guys. Nope, it, nobody you know, has. Nobody's seen each other. It was it was so awesome to be out there and just even if it was just a, a an air fist pump or an elbow or just right. a wave, you know, staying your distance and, and watching them tee off and talking to them and seeing, you know, getting caught up a little bit. Uh, was nice to see some tee shots and and see the guys. Some tee shots, play. some tee shots, some tee shots were oh, yeah. not good to see. Look, and I'm not one to throw anybody <laughs> under the bus here, Scott. Oh, I'll throw myself <laughs> under the bus. Don't I, you worry. I saw I saw some that yeah. maybe I didn't want to see, but sure. uh, you know, it's uh, it's just it's a first tee. You know, oh, yeah. you know, it happens as they say. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean that's, that's golf, but yeah, you know, it was nice to have the. Uh, the support of, you know, both yourself for, uh, you know, for Flagstick being behind the tour and, uh, you know, Cobra Puma Golf for the Spring Open out at Eagle Creek, uh, which is what we're referring to here. And, you know, we had a field of uh, 40 plus players that were out there, not only seniors, Maine, and uh, there was a couple of players doing their playability as well. It was just nice to get back before we get to the formal results. Um, it was just nice to get back to playing. And, and you're right. I mean, it's much different to, you know, hit balls in your garage and make a lot of swing changes which was bizarre for me but it's also it's also interesting to go out and do that and then try to trust that during a tournament round and um you know knowing that you know just making golf swings is not really how you play tournament golf you got to be prepared in other ways as well and uh, i would say i was underprepared for my first uh my first little <laughs> bit um but I, I tell you the the heavyweight that uh, eagle creek is gave me a few punches early in the first few holes and then uh, I got up off the canvas and, and did okay after that. So um, it was just nice. I mean, I was able to play with uh, with Greg White from uh, Cedar Hill and Danny Lacombe from uh, from Club Link. Uh, again, you're right. It, it was just great to renew acquaintances, get out there on the golf course, have some swings that you know are meaningful. Uh, which is yeah. totally different for anybody who's never played uh, tournament golf before. Uh, it's certainly a different process mentally to go and, and play tournament golf, especially a place like Eagle Creek. Uh, we're not exactly talking a place that's wide open. So no. there is definitely, <laughs> some, definitely some penalties to be had. Uh, and actually I looked through today and I was looking through the um, just the main division and every single player, except for two, uh, within the top 12 or 13 players had at least one double bogey on their card, which tells you kind of what generally punishment. speaking, that was probably yeah. a hazard somewhere along the line, right? Definitely. Definitely. That's for sure. So uh, yeah, it was just, it was just a good to be out there and, and uh, you know, I, I probably could have used a little bit more warm up as opposed to just having a coffee at the Tim Hortons with you. Maybe, maybe a few, <laughs> that balls was hit. your warm up. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a few balls hit on the range would have been a good idea and, and not just two putts. Um, but you know, that's my, my own fault and that's my own responsibility to be able to do that it's certainly not an excuse uh i was i was in the end i was i was happy i had a lot of opportunities to do some good things out there and and uh just didn't manage to do it and uh to debut as a senior golfer that was fun it, it is a little bit more difficult because i mean i know that at at some some other events and maybe some bigger events where the course is more or less closed to the participants of the tournament 
um, having the time to go and, and, and hit some balls before the round, like really, really get a, um, a good practice, a pregame session in, hit some putts and chips and bunker shots. And these are the kinds of routines that when you're playing tournament golf, yeah. you know, some of us might just go to the first tee and, and pull the driver head cover off and go yep. and, and it's figured out as you go along the first few holes or your bucket of balls. Yeah. Um, but generally speaking, the way people like to warm up is they like to get there and they like to hit some balls on the range, start with some wedges, work your way up, hit some bunker shots, move your way to the putting green, hit some putts, and then kind of get your bag in order and go to the tee and hit your first tee shot. And that kind of sets the tone. With some events like, like yeah. this one, you only had 30 minutes to begin with. Yeah, prior that, to you could, the, that you could be on the property. Yeah, so you, yeah, you only yeah. had 30 minutes that you could be ahead of your actual tee time. Yeah. And in that 30 minutes, you had to get from your car to the driving range, hit your shots, back up to the putting green, hit some putts, and then tee up. Now, lots of guys did that. Um, sure. But, I mean, how many balls could you hit? You know, by the time you get from your park, from the park, Eagle Creek, it's not like the driving range is right next to the parking lot. You do have mm -hmm. to grab your cart, go in and pay for your cart, go down. You probably only had 10 or 15 minutes of, of pre-game anyway. So, Again, it's not an excuse. But, oh no, not at all. But it, it, but it is kind of like for some guys, it's the way that they go about prepping for a, for a tournament, right? Yeah, it's it's totally different. I mean, some players, uh, you know, Gord Percy, who's a great player in, in in this area, for an example, who uh, you know is at Smith Falls Golf and Country Club. He's a great example of a player who you know doesn't hit a lot of golf balls, and that's because of previous injuries. Uh, you know, he just goes to the first tee, and that's what he's used to. That's his normal routine. Other players want to hit balls, get warmed up, go through the routine that you exactly said. Um, you know, not doing it or making the effort to do it. Well, I guess that becomes the person's fault more than anything. But uh, you know, every everybody's routine is different and uh certainly we saw a lot of players that were you know i was talking to that were you know second round of the year first full round of the year you know a lot that, a lot of examples like that um where you know maybe you're not as comfortable when you go to that first tee uh physically uh and, and mentally as well to to get going but uh like you said it was just nice to have the event return a lot of great comments as far as the you know the sponsorship camaraderie everything that was there and, and some good golf as well there was definitely some quality oh, golf yeah. played. no question well you know what um again let's, let's kind of get into that a little bit scott because yeah. there was some uh you know especially well, I shouldn't say especially in one division over the other. It was great golf played, especially at the top of both of those, uh, both the senior and the uh, and the regular uh, division. But um, you know, it uh, um, in the senior division, it was a bit a bit of a I don't like to say a runaway, but it was a bit of a runaway. Um, and you know, so what happened in uh, with the scoring? Yeah, in the uh, senior division, Mark Foucault was obviously won a lot of events in the area. Solid player uh, from uh, Golf Saint Marie, uh, Golf Mont Saint Marie, uh, one of the uh, the owners there and, and the pro. Uh, he captured the senior division, shot three under par. Uh, again, solid player. Normally, he's been playing a fair amount of golf. Uh, you know, had a little bit extra advantage maybe over the Ontario side people. A little bit more of an early start, and uh, Mark a play a player who plays every day as well and you know you'll note that if uh, people go and look at our story on flagstick.com about the tournament uh you know mark does try and play every day uh which is certainly an advantage as well but three underscoring there really solid uh golf course setup was you know pretty fair 
and you know he expected maybe to even be a little bit lower there didn't didn't make as many putts as he <laughs> liked uh, but nobody ever does right no. um, and then in the uh, main division uh, you know it ended up in a playoff which was uh, neat to see Chris Barber ended up prevailing on the first playoff hole with a par on number 10 uh, over Mike Dagenet and they both finished at two under par um, Barber actually at one point was five under during his round through wow. 11 holes uh, so he was motoring along had a lot of birdies early uh, taking advantage of the scoring opportunity uh, admittedly sort of uh, backed up a little bit had one of those blemishes that I previously talked about one of those doubles uh, came in the mix there and one of the key, neat things for him uh, you know Chris the general manager uh, at the uh, the landings uh, golf course and practice facility and teaching center in, in Kingston uh, he had his daughter Madison uh, along caddying she's a university player at Towson we've had her name in the uh, in the magazine before and he said you know it was kind of neat because it was sort of an experience for him to to kind of show her that resiliency in a round and the fact that even though you you, you get going um, you know, bad things will happen, oh, yeah, um, but sure. it's how you bounce back and how you adapt to that and how you deal with them. That really makes the difference that all is not lost just because you had, you know, one bad hole. Um, so a good win for him, especially for the fact that, you know, he hasn't played many events uh, within the zone in the last few years. Uh, and he was pretty, uh, pretty happy about that to get a victory. I think his first one in three years in the zone. Wow. Yeah. Cause he is a, he's obviously, he's a former, uh, zone champion uh many times over um, yeah for sure you know and uh you know somebody who's who's big into the uh you know into the administrative and the, the business side of golf now so it's it, it becomes tougher i mean you yourself know uh that you know and and lots of the other guys do that you just when you're not playing as much and you're focused on the business side of the game i mean you, your game is going to suffer there's no question mm -hmm. about it and it's it's hard to kind of make time to to make golf important, playing golf important enough, but you know, for most of these guys, it is important that they play and they want to, they want to be able to get and play more, but they just can't. Yeah. And that's just, the, that's just the case. I mean, you have other priorities and, you know, uh, in a lot of cases, I, I talked to a number of people, you know, because golf is sort of coming back right now, uh, a lot of them are focused on their students. They're focused on their members. They're focused on, you know, pleasing them. So they haven't had that uh, time off yet to maybe go, Oh, I, I need to go hit those extra balls or, you know, work on my putting a little bit. So everybody just said there was just a little bit of rust in their games. No, no matter who it was, it didn't matter whether they that was Mark or, or Chris, even though they were raising trophies, um, the, you know, everybody somebody had, had to raise the trophy, right? Somebody <laughs> had to raise a trophy and, and some of us had to finish 11th after making a nine <laughs> on the first hole. But uh, anyways, <laughs> there's the resilience, Scott. Now, come on, yeah, now, think sure. about this. <laughs> you started off so far back. Yeah. That that the game plan, if there were, if there was a game plan in place of how you wanted to approach Eagle Creek, especially like, we have to talk to, um, we don't have to talk about it. We can mention it. You don't usually play Eagle Creek from the white tees. Um, no. The golf course is significantly, it should be, should be easier from the white tees as far as sure. length goes. But in a lot of cases with courses like this, like Eagle Creek, it actually is more difficult or if you're not used to playing from the forward tees, because a lot of the stuff that's not usually in trouble mm -hmm. or, you know, in the way is now in the way. And, yeah. and I think, you know, you had a, I'm sure you had a game plan, but I mean, after what happened on the first hole, you kind of throw the game plan at the window go, well, if I have any chance at all of, of, you know, finishing high enough in, in this uh, division, I got to make a 
but Jesus amount of birdies. <laughs> so, so, yeah. so you're going at everything. Maybe that's not what you originally wanted to do. Well, you know, it just became, I mean, you know, again, it, it, it is what it is. And I didn't, I didn't really change strategy too, too much. I just, the difficulty, I think more than anything was the fact that um, I'm probably a more unusual senior, just because I think from a club head speed standpoint, I'm still a little bit higher up there for club head speed. Um, so it becomes awkward and you're right. I mean, we've been playing this golf course, you and I going back 25 years playing yeah. Eagle Creek and um, you know, always playing it off the blue tees or the gold tees. And then you move up a bit. Uh, there is hazards in play that I never really thought of. Um, and you begin to doubt yourself. And that's the hard part when you're playing this golf is that you, you get there and you go, Oh, I'm going to play this. Ooh, now what about this? And I found myself too much. And I had to stop that of, of all of a sudden going to my bag and bringing two or three clubs to the tee because yeah. I hadn't made a decision yet of what to do. And, you know, you're trying to be conscious of the other players and going, Oh, I, I kind of want to move along and stuff like that, as opposed to uh, being used to playing tournament golf all the time and just taking your time, making sure you're hundred uh, percent behind every decision that you're going to make. Uh, again, you're right. There's, should if i went back and played it again today i'd probably play it different than i did yesterday yeah. um but certainly that's my fault for not making those adjustments and you know again you're not able to play the practice rounds and get out courses are busy so uh you know it wasn't like i was gonna go okay you know what i'll spend an extra day going up there and trying to see what the golf course looks like from those tee boxes what the shots look like and so forth but uh i, I think it's cool because it's a different test. So I take that as a personal challenge as a golfer to go, all right, you know what? I have to adapt and find a way to move forward. Uh, again, it's not about excuses at all. I mean, you shoot your score, you shoot your score, um, but finding a different way to play. But I can tell you even, for example, I think I hit, uh, I hit four drivers and two of them were on that first tee that sailed right off the toe of the club. Um, but otherwise the rest of the day, I realized, you know, I just need to dial it back. And, you know, the only times that it, it bit me in the end uh, were basically three bad tee shots and, and they were all, you know, just choosing the wrong club off the tee. So uh, sometimes it's not about the swing. It's about the strategy. Exactly. Now um, with golf reopening and, and now teaching, teaching reopening obviously we talk about you know all the different pros and stuff that are there they all a lot of them are teachers too yep. um, in fact most of them you know are, are pretty heavily into into teaching so they're all kind of getting back to it um you, you're getting back to how many lessons did you have over the weekend uh i had uh i think i had four friday night and then i had seven on saturday and then i tried to rest and get uh, a few holes in on sunday to prepare so but by that time though you're sort of fried i mean it's so hot out there um but again that's your priority i mean yeah. i don't know I, I i guess the big thing is that for most people is they uh they realize that you know their priority now is the next generation of golfers is not worrying about your own game but on the other side of that it's great to see that there is that demand for that yeah. and again talking to the other the guys i mean it's uh it's amazing how much demand there is for for instruction right now and and that's a real positive no that's good all right scott well you're gonna stick with me you're not I going am. anywhere because you are my guest host uh my co-host this week uh on the 613 golfer podcast so when we come back we're going to talk about a good friend um yes. and uh it's not a it's not a uh, particularly happy story um, but uh, we'll, we're going to deal with that when we get back. Right now, we got to take a quick break, and then uh, Scott's going to stay with us. Uh, don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back.
At Ping, our culture of curiosity has been driving innovations for over 60 years. Innovations like the new G425 iron, which brings you greater distance without sacrificing the forgiveness and control you need to play with precision. And with free access to the Arcos Caddy system, you'll play smarter and shoot lower scores. The new Ping G425 iron, better by every measure. Get fit today. Visit ca.ping.com to learn more about G425. All right, and we're back, and I'm with uh, with uh, my co-host Scott McLeod, and I am Jeff Botter, your host. And um, I mentioned uh, right before the break there that when we came back, we wanted to talk um, about a good friend. And yeah. um, you know, unfortunately, like I said, it's not a it's not a happy story. Um, um, a very good friend of ours uh, that we've known for a lot of years, Scott, more so than myself, um, but. Uh, Dave Mills, uh, the former executive uh, director of uh, Golf Ontario, Ontario Golf Association, Golf, you know, the GAO, uh, yep. he, um, he passed away last week. Um, and uh, it's very sad news for the industry. We've lost a, a, a really, really important uh, part of the golf industry, a, a person who's uh, deep roots uh, in the industry and has been a big part of, of growth, the growth of the game over the years as well. But Scott, you knew Dave, you know, I knew Dave well, but you knew Dave and the family far more than I do. Why don't you just, you know, sort of speak to, uh, you know, how, you know, what, what this means, what this feels like for you and for others uh, who knew him. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, obviously it was uh, it was a sad occasion to hear of his passing. Uh, you know, he hadn't been well, and and uh, but obviously, you know, at age seventy four, it's far too young. Um, great family, uh, wife Judy, who's just a, a doll, and um, you know, his kids, uh, knowing them, I don't know, we'll go back now to probably, geez, thirty years now. Uh, you know, John, who went on to play in the PJ Tour, Jeff, who's a PGA of Canada professional, uh, their their sister Jennifer, who's a uh, volleyball coach in the states, all of them went on scholarships to the states and um this family had a large or a long tie to this uh, region uh deep river uh dave originally worked for uh, ontario hydro uh was a hydro manager uh worked at deep river as i said uh worked in you know in belleville as well uh, eventually also lived in, in brooklyn ontario but what happened uh, was he gradually got involved with these kids and how they were playing the game of golf and realized that there were some different things that sort of had to maybe had to happen in, in, in junior golf, for an example. And he created some opportunities for kids to, uh, you know, get scholarships because he found out a lot in his own studying of what was happening with his kids. Um, was very active in the community in, in Belleville when they had their first, uh, when they first lived there and uh, played, he played out of Bay of Quinty and so did his kids, organized a lot of different things as a uh, junior rep. And then eventually, you know, he became a junior rep with the, uh, what would become Golf Ontario got very active uh, with the association and then eventually worked his way onto the board for the OGA. And they got to a point where the organization was looking for an executive director. And, and uh, he basically said, Hey, I'll, I'll jump off the board and I'll consider the position if, if, you know, if that's what we need to do. 
Um, the neat part about him is that he realized that it, it wasn't about him. It wasn't about his kids. He looked at the golf Ontario as, uh, you know, the future of the game, the foundation of the game in the province. Uh, and as a result of it, he felt that there's things that need to be done as far as organizing the association that much more. So, you know, he gave his all when he went in there, uh, you know, he was done at Ontario hydro took that position with, with golf Ontario, and then started to reshape everything. And that, you know, amounted to the junior programs, uh, you know, again, scholarship offerings, uh, just anything he could do to push the game forward and create a foundation that would last longer than him, because he recognized that it wasn't, again, about him, and that he would need stuff to last longer than him. And, you know, he was in that role for 17 years. Uh, but he was also a big volunteer outside of it. So even when he retired from there, um, you know, I last ran into him in the fall, he was working as a starter uh, at one of the events. And, you know, he just kept his hand in there. He was the uh, the chairperson for the Belleville uh, Sports Hall of Fame. It didn't matter, um, you know, it didn't matter to him, you know, what the need was. If he could fill a role there, he would. And obviously we became quite involved with him in multiple ways, um, you know, obviously the golf in the schools program, which was, uh, you know, his push originally, uh, and then obviously expanded out to, you know, golf Canada as well. And then Ontario golf news. And I know for yourself, um, you know, you had a lot of interactions with Dave, but probably some of the more memorable ones came because of, you know, us taking on Ontario golf news back in 2013. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I remember, the uh the first time that dave and i actually had a conversation about ontario golf news obviously ontario golf news was a uh, was the magazine that flagstick um, was originally patterned after um, yeah. the magazine that i grew up as a golfer reading you know um and it kind of you know it faded away and uh and then we had you know dave contacted us and he really wanted us to be the ones to kind of take over because he knew what we were doing up here was exactly what he wanted to see continue um, as, as a provincial publication. And um, I remember I was sitting on a, on a bench on, um, on one of the tees out at uh, Le Vieux Moulin. And I had just been out there for a meeting. I wasn't golfing. And, and I spent probably the better part of an hour and a half to two hours uh, on a cell phone, uh, you know, at Le Vieux Moulin over in, uh, on the, in Quebec. And we just sat there and we talked. Uh, talked it all through and he was very you know non-pressure he really wanted us to do it but he wasn't making me feel like if you know we were doing anything wrong by not doing it if we couldn't and at the time it didn't it did not pan out for us to to take on that role but eventually yeah. um you know we did and we ended up doing the digital uh, ontario golf news and we ended up doing now what is uh you know ogn digest or ontario golf news digest which goes out to all of the uh the uh, you know members uh, member players of the Ontario uh, of Golf Ontario, and that was all that was all through those conversations with Dave, and mm -hmm. and I also remember the conversations that Dave and I had when um, when they started to look at Ottawa as more as part of Golf Ontario, right, as opposed to part of Golf Quebec, and there was that whole transition where a number of mm -hmm. golf courses started to become, you know, and he was. That was that was his thing. Like he was very yeah. adamant about wanting to see that 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 connection between Ottawa and the rest of Ontario be sealed up. And and uh, he made trips down here all the time to talk to golf course owners and and managers and pros about 
about uh, what it would mean to be, you know, part of the uh, golf, at that time the uh, Ontario Golf Association or Golf Association of Ontario. Um, you know, just uh, you know, my own for my own personal, just an amazing man who had such a passion for the game, but had but more of a passion for the people surrounded the game and and it very that's very indicative of when i when your posts on social media um you know when you made the posts on social media about it about his passing the who's who of people that commented on the post and and had their own things to say about their experiences with dave just goes to show what kind of a great human being uh dave mills was yeah. And, they, and as you said, you know, they were personal experiences and that was the difference. I mean, most people, you know, they look at a, an organization, they look at it as administration, but these were pure connections. These were people that uh, were junior golfers that were helped out that eventually went on to maybe play the McKenzie tour or become a college coach or become an agent or, I mean, and, and it was endless as far as the number of people who had met Dave over the years and had been impacted by decisions he had made or efforts that he had made. And, and you're right. It, it was the people that was important to him. And, uh, you know, thankfully I look back now and I look at the number of times that, you know, he quietly did a lot of work that people didn't know about. And I know for myself, you know, we had many, many lunches, many, many phone calls. I, I, I even went back and looked at my email trails the other day and, and had to laugh at how many emails that were just over little things that he was interested in. He wanted to know the nuances because it would help him have more information to make a decision on something or help out with something. And I can remember even like the uh, a program called Strokes for Hope, which ran for three years, yeah. uh, was two young guys out of the Kingston area who did a, uh, a golf marathon to raise money for cancer. And they ended up raising a million dollars in three years, which was incredible. And, and Dave was there. He was behind that. I mean, he was physically there and came for the tee up. He knew how important that was and, and what a great event it was and what, how, how impactful golf could be. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the one thing for him is he knew how, how impactful golf could be. So, you know, yes, when, uh, you know, when golf Ontario was trying to reach out and say, Hey, you know what, we want to reach, we want to reach more golfers around Ontario. We want to reach more clubs. Um, he wanted to know all the little threads of it. I'm sure I'm not the only one. I know he no. had many, many, many calls and lunches and, and meetings with lots of other people. Um, but, you know, I cherish those moments of just sitting at, you know, Denny's of all places where we, we would usually meet up and, and just have earnest chats about where the game was in the province and where it could go and what were the opportunities and how the golf association could fit in to help fuel those opportunities. And, you know, again, he didn't do it because, you know, his name was going to be on it. He did it because it was going to be better for everyone. And, and that that's the legacy of Dave Mills. Yeah. And I think that's a, you know what, Scott, I think that's a, a good place to, to uh to end on with with respect to that uh, i just want to you know say one thing you mentioned in there about you know doing things quietly and mm. and that's that is so much the way dave did things is it, it things just happened yeah but to anybody else you know looking in they just happened quietly and i think that you know going forward that you know if dave if Dave were here and telling, you know, us all in the golf industry of, you know, that he would want us to just, you know, remember me, but, you know, proceed quietly forward and, and keep things going the way, the way I did them 
uh, and uh, and the game is going to be in a good place. And the game has certainly been put into a good place because of uh, because of a guy like Dave Mills. So uh, rest in peace, Dave Mills, and uh, thank you for everything that you've uh, that you did for for us and for the game. Um, okay. Um, I need to take a little bit of a break here uh, and kind of uh, regroup. Uh, Scott uh, is not going anywhere. Once again, he's stuck here. I've uh, mm -hmm. yeah, this. He's stuck here at least until I'm finished. So uh, we're going to take another quick little break. When we come back, uh, we're going to get to uh, some upcoming things with respect to Flagstick. Uh, uh, some updates on our on our own event and uh, and a little announcement that we've been holding on to and holding on to. And finally, we are ready to release some details about it. Plus, Kevin Hames, little quick tip. We're gonna go out to the lesson tee with Kevin Hames. He's gonna give us a little, uh, a little bit of a quick tip on ball position today. So don't go anywhere, stay with us. This is the 613 Golfer Podcast. I am Jeff Botter, he is Scott McLeod, and we will be right back. At Ping, we're an engineering company. Success is measured in the lab and on your scorecard. We focus on results, your results. In the G425 Max driver, that means more time in the fairway, less time in the rough. It means longer drives, shorter approach shots, and fewer putts. The new G425 drivers, taking MOI to the max. Get fit today. Visit ca.ping.com to learn more about G425. All right, we're back. Uh, we're back once again here on the 613 Golfer podcast. And uh, um, I should mention, totally forgot about it before the first break. Um, hate forgetting about things. But uh, the next stop on the flagstick.com Ottawa PGA Tour is uh, they're heading to Camelot, Um June 28th, I believe, uh, to, for the, uh, the summer open, uh, once again, presented by uh, Cobra Puma Golf. Uh, really stepped up this year with some sponsorship for the, uh, for the tour and for the events, and that's great to see. Um, you mentioned that they're trying to, there's some convincing going on to get you to <laughs> jump into the field. And you're just not sure if you're going to have the, uh, the legs of the stamina for it after a weekend at the Flagstick Open. Yeah, I, I might be out of gas for that, but you know, I might just play just for the uh, the sake of the interest of going and playing. And yeah, Reagan Wilkie from uh, Cobra Puma Golf is the uh, you know she's the local area rep and and the sponsor behind uh, or getting behind the event. And uh, should be another good field. Lots of players excited about going there. It could be an expanded field over what we saw at Eagle Creek. They've got a few more spots for that. Um, whether I get rooked into it or not, uh, we'll see. Uh, if I do, I'll make sure to prepare a little bit better at the start of the round. But uh, yeah, for anybody that's going to play, uh, you know, is summer open June 28th at Camelot will be a great one. Awesome. Now, let's talk <laughs> Flagstick Open. Yes. Um, yeah, my gosh, it feels like it's been I mean, so long getting to this point. And I, you know, I, I, I have and, and the funny part is um, we were supposed to do this in May, May, yep. May long weekend. Um, and uh, and that was our traditional date. Last year, we got bumped to August, um, but we got it in and we were happy about that. This year, we're really excited once again. We're back at that original date. We're ready to go. And what happens? We get shut down. We have to move to another date again, which was earlier. We moved to June 26, 27. I've had all the prizes and all these registration gifts and the trophies are all ready to go. And the, 
everything is ready to rock. And, and now it's finally here. And I am so, so excited. Uh, uh, in uh, roughly about two weeks, uh, we will be um, at Equinel for the, uh, for the Flagstick Open. Scott, I know you've heard a lot of people uh, on, uh, on social media reach out to you that have played their practice rounds. What, what do we got? What do we got in store for, for the, the field? Yeah, no surprise. Uh, you know, Chris Vallette, the uh, superintendent there, he's got the golf course in great shape. We've got a number of players, uh, both ones that have played in the tournament before and new players, uh, because we do have an expanded field uh, this year, up to 144 players. Uh, as a result of it, you know, got uh, a lot of new blood playing in the field. They're yes. going, getting out to see the golf course for the first time, enjoying it, not only from the layout standpoint, but obviously from a conditioning standpoint. So, uh, yeah, quite excited. I mean, uh, a few extra names to announce on the first tee, a few more <laughs> scores to enter into the computer. Um, you know, but it's been great. The response obviously has been fantastic. You've talked about it on the show here. Uh, waiting list uh, has existed almost <laughs> yeah. immediately. Uh, still getting calls and messages from people going, hey, is there a spot in the field? And, you know, obviously we wish we could accommodate everybody. And, uh, you know, unfortunately there was a few dropouts because of scheduling errors or not errors, but scheduling changes for some people. Yeah. Um, you know, a two-time winner like Noah Steele, for an example, is playing in the Sunahana Amateur down in Pennsylvania, excuse me. Um, you know, so top level players, but certainly is still a stacked field of some of the best amateur golfers in the province will be descending at, uh, at, at Kempville and at Equinel. And, uh, yeah, you know, we get fired up about this event. Uh, we love it and, uh, we're looking forward to a great weekend. I tell you, one of the things that I, that always excites me about the Flagstick Open is, um, is, is the vast, uh, array of, uh, of indexes that, uh, mm. that we get. Um, yeah. yeah, we got the top, we got the cream of the crop at the top. Sure. We got, we got top level players with, I mean, I think when I did the last sort of division of the field, I try to take the field of 144 players and divide it evenly into, into four groups of 36. Um, and then adjustments are made here and there, depending on how, where the indexes fall and how many people are, are, uh, you know, up and uh, upper and below, but, you know, a division if you want to call it a division or the, the, the top division, the, the, the bottom index in, in that division is one. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's where, that's where our first 36 players stop is that uh, an index of one, um, which means that our B division is starting at like 1.2. Yeah. Like that's just the way it is. And then it goes and it keeps going down. Now we have players in the field right up to, I think the highest index I saw was a 25. Yeah. Um, but then there's 19s, 18s, 15s, 16s, 13s, Certainly. 12s, and so on. And, and that's the part that I really like. And that's why we made the adjustment uh, from last year, this year. We had four divisions last year, but we had the C and the D divisions playing off of the um, off the, the flagstick green tees, uh, yeah. which essentially is the forward tees uh, at, uh, at Equinel. Um, and that because of the range of indexes that kind of just became a little too short for a lot of the lower C division players. So we said, you know what, this year, let's go with three sets of T's instead of two. Mm -hmm. And instead of having A's and B's play from our gold T's and C's and D's playing for green, we, we come up with, we have a, a white T. Yeah. So now we have the D's will play from the whites, the C's will play from the greens, which are our T's. And the A's and B's will once again play from the from the flagstick uh, open gold tees, and I've had a, I had a lot of um, 
had a lot of emails from people who are gone for the practice rounds and maybe you have as well just asking you know i'm, I'm going where am i going to be playing where am i going to be playing from i'd like yeah. to practice from the t's that i'm playing but it's like yeah, well if you're an a or a b chances are you're going to be you can probably go to the back t and practice from there because that's more likely you know where you know 80 percent or 75 percent of the t's are going to be placed but we do things differently at the flagstick mm -hmm. open we do not uh fall follow the scorecard we have our own way don't we yeah, we do. And we like to, uh, we like to make sure that we set up some opportunities for players, especially on, on Sunday as well, just to add some excitement, uh, whether that be a drivable par four or, you know, whatever the case may be. I, I think one of the neat things that you said there, uh, in talking about some of the higher index players is that, um, you know, good players are used to going to a lot of tournaments in most cases, a lot of them have been to tournaments before they're used to that experience, but you know, the fact is, is when we, when we have a 25, you know, handicap index player, uh, they get the same tour level type experience that that low handicap player has. So when they get there and they get the swag and, you know, they're going through the same formal warmups as far as, you know, balls on the range and, you know, how the tee times are set up, they get to the tee, they get called to the tee, uh, you're putting them through the whole process. You know, they talk about it afterwards, probably more than the low handicap players who are used to that of saying, wow, this is a really cool experience. I've never been in that situation. And it's really neat because it makes them feel special to be there. And that's what we've always wanted to do with our tournaments is to make the participants feel special because it's about them and them having the best possible, you know, two days and some more because they come out for practice rounds um, of just the overall uh, experience there and make them want to come back. Yeah, no. And, and it's, um, you know, as we keep, you know, we move forward, uh, you know, we used to have the BMG Cup Series, which is basically three events similar to the Flagstick Open. One of them was an invitation-only event to Smuggler's Shootout at Smuggler's Glen, and that was sort of our, you know, season opener. Mm -hmm. And then we went to Equinel for the Flagstick Open, and then in the fall we went to Brockville for the, uh, for the BCC Open. And then just, you know, trends of the industry the way they were, it, it, it didn't it didn't stay full enough to continue to do uh, events of that size for the commitment and the financial commitment that's involved with running events. Now, the industry's changed a little bit in the last couple of years, uh, but even before uh, the whole COVID-19 thing hit, uh, tournament golf was still on the up, up, you know, on the on the rise. I mean, the flagstick yeah. open has continued to to get to sell out it's got continued to get to sell out levels every year prior to COVID last year, we increased the field size and it sold out this year. We started with the field size where it was last year and then realized pretty quickly that we had to increase it again. So we increased the field size to what we would consider now a full field of 144 um, and a waiting list that started about a month ago. The waiting list was at about 65 players. Wow. Um, now the waiting list is down up to, uh, you know, a little under half of that. Uh, yeah. When we changed the date, it did obviously force some people to change to, to cancel out because it just they had conflicts with other things. And, you know, kids are uh, getting close to being out of school and, you know, you know, people are going back to back to work now that things have opened up. So it changes everything. Um, but that's fine. We there's lots of space. There was lots of space to fill and lots of people to fill the spaces with. So um, you know, it's good in that way, but it's going to be, um, it's going to be an awesome event. Hopefully we get the, we get some really good weather for the weekend or for that weekend. And, 
and um, you know we uh, we turn out another great uh, another great tournament, another great champion as we always have. And, um, but it yeah, I should I should mention in there before we get to yeah. I know where I know where we're going to go next, but we should mention as well that you know from a flexibility standpoint, you know that's been an important thing uh, having the host golf course working with them and also yeah. our sponsors as well. I mean, TaylorMade and Adidas have been wonderful with us. Uh, you know, those two companies have been uh, you know behind us all the way in making the event first class, and you know for them also to be able to pivot and help us out, you know with with the fact that we do have an expanded field that's been important and we certainly appreciate their support and uh you know we we couldn't put on the event uh the same way without that support and that continued support so that's important for people to to recognize and remember yeah it's it's huge i mean those are two major things they host host club and and we've been fortunate that uh, that equinel has been been with us and partnered with us at this event for a long time now and uh and and we're 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 glad that we have that you know sort of long-term arrangement with them and yeah taylor made in and taylor made in adidas uh being our sponsor you know we have also been very fortunate we have uh we have great uh, we have rules officials or uh rules referees uh at all yes. of our events and uh, as, as I, you know greatly from as from last week oh my gosh I, I try so hard but you know uh, to me it's always it's always a rules official i just can't yeah. seem to get that stuck in my head but i will just takes time but yeah R uh, rich mclean who was on the show last week and um and and his crew uh it does change you know, a little bit from year to year, depending on who's available, but we always have a great crew and, uh, and, you know, they're out there doing their thing and they love doing it. And uh, it's to the benefit of, of the event and it's to the benefit of the players. So yeah, we've been very fortunate for a long time to have the support that we've had uh, and given us the ability to grow that tournament to what it is, to what it is now. And, and, uh, and it really is an awesome event, um, which, uh, which is why uh, we've, you know, as things change within the industry for us, uh, you know, we're always we're, we're always pivoting and adjusting and trying to figure out, you know, where are we going next with what we do? I mean, obviously, we've had some major hiccups thrown into how we do things from a publishing perspective. Mm -hmm. The the uh, the industry, the media industry as a whole, I should and I'm not saying the golf industry, the yeah. media industry as a whole um is changed to more of a you know a, a digital online format and we changed with it um, and we'd love to be doing print magazines right now but obviously that's just not with our distribution model the way it is it's not possible so you know we're taking a look at other things you know where we have this great tournament that we do every year um we've got a brand that we've spent 25 years this year building um you know, and it's not just a brand that's, you know, flags the golf magazine. That's not, that's not the only part of the brand. It's the reputation that comes along with, with uh, being experts. And, and I say that, and I don't say that loosely anymore. I used to say that so loosely as like, am I really an expert? And, and you know, the honest truth is yes. You know, after 25 years of being in the golf industry and, and being a part of all facets of the golf industry, not just publishing magazines, everything. Um, I would very much consider, you know, us experts at this, um, you know, so we've talked about way back at the beginning of this year, we talked about the idea of, you know, maybe we should look at doing another event. Um, but do we want to do something the same? Do we want to do something different? We both kind of decided that, uh, that if we were going to do another event that we wanted to do something that was unique. Mm -hmm. So we 
talked to Joe and you and I chatted. We brought Rich McLean into the into the fold and talked about, okay, what do we want to do? Um, There's a lot of conversations. People should know this yeah. is not one week. This is nope. months of conversations of deciding how to do things. And this is exactly what we've always done. Yep. You know, when we got involved with tournaments back in 2000, when we were sponsoring the Garrison Open, uh, we want to make sure that whatever we do uh, is up to the standard that we've created before. So yes. uh, I'll, I'll let you go from there and <laughs> you can, you can reveal the details. <laughs> so, so we, we embarked on the journey yes. uh, to, uh, to find some dance partners. Uh, because the one thing that we know, as we just talked about, the longevity of the flagstick open is due in majority to the arrangement that we have with our host club yep. and the sponsorship that we have with TaylorMade and, uh, and Adidas um, and the volunteers through the rules uh, referees and, and our team. You know, before you even get into opening a registration, you have to have all of those things lined up and ready to go. Um, and uh, we finally uh, had decided on a format and then started the, started the wheels rolling. And we have an event that we're going to be uh, um, have taking place. It's going to be taking place uh, this fall uh, in September. Um, we are going to have the Flagstick Two Ball Championships. And I say championships because there are going to be, although both of these are going to be taking place simultaneously on the same weekend, yep. uh, we will have both a men's and a women's event. Um, you have the, uh, the men's two ball championship and the women's two ball championship. So it's a two person team event and it's going to be held September 11th and 12th of this year at the Brockville country club. Um, Brockville has uh, Jason Walmark, the, the new GM that came on board there last year. It's just a perfect year to take over as GM of a golf club. <laughs> sure. But he's weathered the storm, uh, you know, originally from this area. Um, and uh, we will have Jason on. Hopefully, we'll have Jason on next episode uh, to talk about his journey to, uh, to becoming the GM at Brockville and also about the event. But for now, uh, Jason and I had numerous conversations about this. They wanted to, to have an event back there. We wanted to have this event in the fall and, you know, uh, it, it came to fruition with having a date. Now, the Flagstick Two Ball Championship. So we just want to, we're going to give a little bit of the details of, of um, what that, what the event involves like what what's the format of this event because i said right off we started right off the top talking about this we wanted something that was unique now unique in the golf world of tournaments there's really nothing that's never been done before um so this is not something that we don't believe has ever been done before i'm sure it's been done somewhere before not around here per se that i can remember but at least not at this level but this is um a two-person two-ball best ball stableford event it's a yeah. two-day event so you're playing two rounds of golf so 36 holes and uh as a team and we are doing it by division um but much like the flagstick open you will just register for this event as a team whatever your two indexes are and the combined indexes Instead of us saying, you know, your total combined index for a division has to be 20 or 25, you just sign up. We'll divide the field in half um, and you'll play in whatever division 
you play in based on how we divide the field, whatever your total team index is. Uh, so a two can play with a 15, 10 can play with a 10, and eight can play with a 21. It doesn't really matter. You're gonna fit where you're gonna fit. Now, the beauty of this event is that we are also setting the course up so that both the A and the B divisions or the upper and the lower division play from the same sets of tees. Um, men and women will play from different tees, but within your men and women championship, your division will play from the same tees. Now, what that means is no matter what division you get put into, both divisions are eligible for the overall title. So we will have an overall men's and women's two ball champion. And then we will have divisional, uh, divisional champions first, second and third, fourth and fifth and whatever. Um, so we're super, super excited about this. We've, uh, we've managed to, uh, we're, we're working with um, a couple of different manufacturers. Uh, we won't get into that detail just yet as far as who our sponsors are but we have solidified sponsorship. Um, so we've dotted, we sort of, how we put it, we've dotted the I's and crossed the T's the way that we normally do so that we can put together and operate a high level championship event in the fall at Brockville Country Club on September 11th and 12th. And um, registration won't open for probably another week or two. Uh, we're just uh, working with Golf Genius right now to, the flags take open first <laughs> yes and yeah we do have the flags to go open to deal with but i'm hoping to have registration for this event open in the next couple of weeks so it may be right after the flags stick open it may be just before the flags stick open i'm not sure um but uh details you'll will be you'll be able to find the details on flagstick.com once we uh once we lay them all out uh they'll be up there probably the details of the event will be up there in the next few days um but the registration might not be open for a couple of weeks so scott <laughs> we're back to having another event and this one is a unique one yeah you know I, I i like it for a number of reasons and obviously we talked through this a lot uh september can obviously be a tricky time with uh weather and things so uh, sometimes it can be difficult from a stroke play scoring format uh, but because this depends on a you know a modified stable for it's, it's about gaining points uh and i think that's more enjoyable more fun more social uh, you know you don't get over penalized if you have a way big number you know you're there's a maximum penalty that you're going to get plus you have a partner to depend on as well and the fact is uh you know the fact is we have it open to men and women which has been something we've talked about for yeah. a long time you know we we've been a big supporter over the years uh, of women's golf we've you know flagstick for women uh, covering tournaments endless numbers of tournaments and being in events and you know we've consulted as well with the players you know we went out and reached out to some of the top players in the region for their advice about how we're, we'd go about doing this and um, so again we put a lot of thought into this so we're excited to you know to be able to you know have another event uh, bring a more diverse field uh, to our tournaments. And obviously, you know, having done events at Brockville before, we know they're going to be a great host. Uh, I know the course is in great shape uh, this year and it conti will continue to be. Uh, and uh, really looking forward to uh, just something different uh, for September. And uh, the fact that, again, we'll have a chance to welcome uh, golfers of all levels uh, from uh, around the region and beyond uh, to Brockville. Yeah, and you know what else is cool is um, when the BCC Open was uh, an event on the BMG Cup Series, um, a trophy was commissioned. Mm, um, quite back a trophy. Then, um, yeah. The uh, Stanley Thompson Trophy. And uh, it was a 
beautiful, you know, molded statue of, uh, of Stanley Thompson sat proudly atop of a beautiful base. And we really didn't, uh, really didn't see that event take off the way we'd hoped. And we're repurposing that trophy for this, for this tournament, for this event. So both the overall men's and the overall women's champions will be, have their names on this trophy and, uh, and, you know, uh, on display at the Brothel Country Club for years to come. So uh, we really hope that we're doing something, we're starting something at the ground level here and, and, and putting all the things in place to be able to do it right and to do it manageable. Uh, it should also be noted that um, we are, at this point, the plan is for a maximum of 100 players. Um, now how that works out, whether it's 50 teams of two women or 50 teams of two and 50 teams of two men, uh, depending on the, uh, on the registrations, it could be, there could be more, more men's teams and less women's teams. It could be more women's teams and less men's teams. It depends on what we get, but our goal is 50 and 50, a hundred players maximum. So given the time of the year, daylight hours and things like that, we have to, we have to cap it. Uh, so when you do see that registration open up. Uh, and you want to participate, get on it. Because uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure that if the flagstick open is any indication that, um, you know, 100, 100 players, 50 teams of two um, are, uh, are going to be uh, gone and sold out pretty quickly. So. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I mean, just a few people that we've, uh, you know, quietly mentioned that we were working on something and we mentioned there was a possibility that, you know, there might be a team event. Uh, they are immediately, boom, I'm in. Uh, let me know when things happen, if things formalize. And obviously now they're they're a lot more formalized. So uh, certainly, as you mentioned, the spaces will go very quickly. So if you do have an interest in it, do not hesitate. Uh, otherwise, you might end up sitting on a waiting list and, you know, that's not where <laughs> That's not where you want to be. No, as, as some have already can already attest to, they don't want to be sitting yeah. on a waiting list for anything. No. All right. So um, big news from us. And, I, you know, I, 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 I apologize and I don't apologize for eating up a lot of time on this on this episode with a couple of flagstick events. But uh, uh, but it is our podcast and they are our events. And this one, this announcement is pretty significant because we've been talking about it and talking about it a little bit. And we really didn't have details. Now we have details, and those are the details. So I hope people uh, are excited about uh, about what's to come this fall. So keep watching flagstick.com and keep listening to the podcast for more details. Um, I'm sure that uh, Scott and and his uh, co-host uh, uh, Stefan Tidorf uh, on T Talk will uh, will be happy to throw up a mention of it over there and, and keep you informed as well. If uh, yeah. you happen to be listening from outside the 613. Now, um, as is always the time in this, uh, this show, Scott, we uh, we're going to, uh, we're going to take our, our, uh, our past things aside and, and let uh, Kevin Hain from the Kevin Hain golf school, Kevin Hain golf center, uh, take us out to the lesson tee and, and give us, uh, give us his little quick tip. They're short, they're sweet, but they're effective. Uh, and uh, this this week, he's going to be talking uh, about ball position and how it uh, can help you with your ball striking. So uh, let's go to the lesson to you right now. Tell you one thing, if you take a lesson at the Kevin Haim Golf School, we'll be using alignment sticks to help you with your aim and your ball position. The truth is most golfers have the golf ball too far back. They're in front of the ball, so it leads to digging and getting stuck, we call it, in golf. Next time you're practicing, put a golf ball down. Set up a little workstation, and remember, you want your lead ear 
just about in line with the golf ball. So set yourself up. If I trail this club down, it's right at the back edge of the ball. When you play sports, you want to be behind something to hit it. And this simple little check will help make sure that you're behind the ball and can hit it squarely. Next time you're practicing at the Kevin Haim Golf Center, give it a try. I like it, Kevin. I like it a lot. Um, once again, it's one of those ones that I think I can uh, uh, I can use in the in the uh, the Botter um, driving range and practice facility. <laughs> uh, is, that what, you know, is that what you're calling it? Yeah, well, we'll, we'll give it a name um, because sure. it does it does really just involve uh, you know having the right setup station and and focusing on on using something that you already have. You don't need any special training aid to work with that uh, that tip. So thanks again for that, Kevin. Well, uh, once again, that's it. Yep. We've got nothing more, uh, nothing more to share for this week. Got to save some for next week. Scott McLeod, I want to thank you very much for uh, for joining me as my co-host. I've been hoping <laughs> at some point or another we'd be able to do this, and and uh, it's always fun to just you know be able to talk golf more candidly than uh, than scripted. Yeah. Um, and so thanks very much for uh, for jumping in this week. Yeah, no problem. Uh, always happy to to dive in. And uh, anytime that you need a co-host, you need a co-pilot, uh, I'm, I'm there for you. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, that's all we got for this week, everybody. Uh, I want to thank uh, Scott once again for coming on. I want to thank Kevin for his uh, great quick tip again. Uh, I want to make sure that I thank uh, our friends at Ping Golf Canada and uh, for being our uh, sponsor again this week. Uh, we can't do these shows without sponsors. Uh, they pay for things that uh, I can't pay for out of my own pocket. So we do appreciate that. And like I said before, get out, try the product. The G425 Irons, Drivers, Fairways and Hybrids. Amazing product, amazing clubs. Get them in your hands and try them. And if you can't get out to a driving range, you can't get out to a pro shop or retailer, go to ca.ping.com and you'll get every detail you need about these great products there. Thanks, everybody. Uh, if you're liking what you're hearing on this podcast, make sure you subscribe to it. You can check it out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and iHeartRadio now. So you can subscribe there. And if you like watching us, and there's two of us this week, so maybe you like watching us, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're trying to get those subscriptions up nice and high. We want you to watch us because, like I said before, there's a lot of things that you may see on the YouTube channel that you won't see on the pod on the actual audio podcast because obviously audio is no visual so like us click the notification button make sure you get every single episode when we release it go to flagstick.com if you haven't been able to see them on youtube or on uh, on the subscription on the audio channels go to flagstick.com every single episode we've done including episodes of t talk with scott and staff are up there for you to check out thanks again I'm Jeff Botter. He's Scott McLeod. This is the 613 Golfer Podcast. Have a great golf week, everybody. And always remember, go for the stick.